It is now time to experience the buzz. A podcast that takes an inside look at amazing people doing amazing things. Get ready for some great conversation that will be fascinating, educational, and inspiring. We will also leave room to help small businesses in a big way. Now, here's your host, entrepreneur Steve Buzzard. Welcome in, everybody. Experience the buzz. I am your host, Steve Buzzard. So glad you decided to join us. Here we are. Oh, wow. It's episode number 93. Like, it it sincerely blows my mind that we've gotten this far. But I will tell you, it started with a commitment, first of all, to do the podcast. And here we are, 93 episodes later. Hard to believe that in the beginning was doing two episodes a week. But now we're down to our good one a week that airs each and every Friday. And today, man, I'm so excited. Episode 93, Christina Mendonca. That's right, the longtime news anchor of News 10. She is now a co-host with Sam Shane on KFBK, the morning show, 5 to 9. They just recently were named the number one news show or number one show in the morning. So that's very exciting. And of course, today we get to find out her journey. More on Christina in just a second. All right, it's time for What's the Buzz? And it's very simple. I've had many of you ask me, How do I become a sponsor? Well, guess what? It's very easy because on buzzardball.com, you can simply click click a little link that says become a sponsor and all the details are there. Basically, this show is in place to what? Highlight entrepreneurs and small business owners. And we have four great ones that are here, but there is room for more. We've had up to six and everything is very reasonable and not only reasonable, it's customizable, okay? So go on buzzerball.com, click on become a sponsor. You'll see all the packages there. And of course, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to me and I'll be glad to answer those and uh, help you get on board as a proud sponsor of Experience the Buzz, which by the way, we're closing in on a hundred episodes. That's what's the buzz for this episode. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's episode. How many times have I said episode? Well, here we go. It's number 93. It's Christina Mendonca. Once again, 22 years at News 10. But then life turned. We're going to find out why that happened, but why now she is part of the number one news team along with Sam Shane. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great conversation. It's coming your way right now. And a pleasant good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whenever you are catching us, it is Experience the Buzz, and we are on to another episode, so excited to bring you Christina Mendonca. That's right, you know her from News 10, but right now she is part of the number one morning team on KFBK with her good friend Sam Shane. Christina, welcome to Experience the Buzz. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, We have so many parallels to talk about. I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, without a doubt. And so let's start with where you are at right now. Many people know you from News 10. There's no doubt about that. But what you are doing right now, I know you have to be very proud of spending a lot of time in TV, but making the transition to radio. And it seems like it's been a good one. It's been a great transition. So I actually started in radio really young. I was 17 when when I got my first radio job at, uh, if if people are local, they might remember FM 102 and the morning zoo and all of that. 
Um, I was like the fill-in news person on that on that uh, radio show, and I worked at a few other radio stations before making the jump to television. Um, my first job in television was actually up in Reading, so I started in California, grew up here, left the state for a while, went to Denver, Colorado, worked there, did some work in San Francisco, uh, came back to Sacramento, and then yeah, I was at News 10 for many, many years, and after leaving there, I started my business. And then uh, KFBK said, hey, why don't you come put together this morning show and we're going to invite Sam Shane and let's, let's see how it goes. So we reformatted that show and here we are. And it's a blast. I just, I never thought I'd be a part of something that much fun again. And it's, we're having a great time. Yeah, that's great because you talked about reformatting it. And I was curious about what that looked like because I think you had mentioned that you guys were number 12 before you came in. You just, you know, got the word that you guys are now the number one station. But part of you coming on board and part of Sam coming on board was reformatting what it looked like. So what were those changes that you guys put in place? Well, you know, we looked at, um, we took a look at the hour, the clock, you know, and if anyone's ever been in radio, they know that there's like a kind of a clock system and we found there was just too much repetition so we wanted to bring in deeper segments sort of like uh, you might hear on NPR except uh, you know shorter than that because um, we wanted to keep the show moving but we wanted to get in more in depth we wanted it to be radically relevant like you know we're not gonna just do the crimey grimy stuff we're not gonna just do uh, the uh, the press release um, stories we wanted stories that impacted people's lives or with information that they could use and then we also wanted some fun injected we know I mean, he was in television for 30 years. I was in television for 30 years. We know that, you know, people's empathy filter gets full if you fill them with bad news and they just don't want to take anymore. So we have these sections of the show, which are kind of like palate cleansers, where we do what you're what happened or an entertainment segment. And then, of course, we wanted to pay homage to all of the uh, small local newspapers. You know, these are journalists that are in the trenches every day providing local news. So we have something called News from Your Neighborhood, where we highlight stories that local papers are bringing to their communities. So we put it all together and, and we had kind of, um, you know, we, we speak the lang same language, Sam and I, uh, from being in television. So we brought that experience and melded it with our program director, who's a longtime radio guy, Bill White. He's been in the business forever, knows radio like no one else, is a number cruncher data guy. And uh, we all put it together. Uh, Curtis Johnson, he was another person and we all put it together and we launched it in April. And like, you know, like usually took, took pe some people time to find us, but they did. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, KFBK has been around forever. Aren't they, are they celebrating like a big anniversary? Did I see that was a hundred or, um, yeah. Yeah, 100 years this yeah. September. So we're going to have a big celebration uh, and, wow. and we'll have all the information on that. But yeah, we really want to, um, we really want to celebrate that. KFBK has just been such a pillar in this community. And, and when I joined the station, I told the general manager, this is a classy operation. It just is, is throughout history has just been uh, just such a pillar. So I'm really proud to be there. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, just my history, I kind of go way back with, 
you know, the, the voices of Tim Roy and Gary Gerald when the Kings were on KFBK before they moved over to Sports 1140 KHDK. So like you said, yeah, a lot of history. And now you're a part of that. You know, it's interesting because you do a morning show. So it's five to nine in the morning. I know everybody would love to know, what does it look like? Because right now I'm talking to you in the evening, but bedtime for Christina is pretty early. Take us through what your what your routine is all about. <laughs> well, you know, when, um, when I worked in Denver in television, I was a morning anchor. So I've done mornings before. Um, but for radio, you know, there's no spanks or high heels or makeup required. Although I do put makeup on and like, you know, dress professionally. But you don't have to get dressed up like you do for TV. So my day usually starts at 3 a.m. Alarm clock goes off at 3 a.m. I'm up. I've got my coffee. I'm listening to my podcasts, uh, prepping for the day. And it doesn't take me long to get ready. I'm out the door by 3.30. I'm at the studio by 4.15 where we have a meeting uh, about what's coming up. We've already done a bunch of work. I usually spend you know a couple hours in the afternoon. We launch the show at 5.00. Go five to nine. We usually have meetings afterwards. So I get home about 10 or 11. Uh, and then I work on my business, Mendonca Media. And I spend time working with my clients. And then usually a couple hours in the afternoon, I'll be putting together segments for the next morning newscast. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an empty nester now. My kids are gone. So I have the time to do that. It's not like I have little kids to run around. Uh, have dinner with my husband. We take a nice walk. I hit the gym, come home, and I'm in bed by seven. That is amazing. The fact that the bedtime is at seven o'clock and you're religious to that. So you have to be because so, you got to be at your best in the morning. I think another piece of it, too, uh, that you had described uh, was, you know, OK, you have things in place. But as we know, news breaks. Right. So five to nine things are kind of happening. That's got to be a lot of fun because you're tossing back and forth with Sam. He might be on the air. You're looking up something and vice versa. Kind of take us through that as well. It's one of the big differences between television and radio, at least the kind of radio we're doing. Uh, in television, you know, the, the scripts are, are written. And yes, there's breaking news, but the producer is in a booth and talking in your ear and giving you information. You're seeing video. You're, you're communicating with the producer. You're communicating with your co-anchor. So there is that part of breaking news. But on the day-to-day, -day, usually the show's pretty much written by the time you hit the air. And you're looking into the camera, and, and part of your job in television is to try to break that glass, make that connection with the viewer. So uh, you're not looking around at other stuff. You're, you're looking into the camera. Well, in radio, I have four screens up in front of me. I'm reading a story while Sam's pulling some sound then I'm then then he's reading a story while I'm inserting something. I'm talking to the executive producer. I'm communicating with our our technical producer, and we're building the show as we go. We're building the airplane as we fly it. So and it's like that every morning. So when I get off the air at nine, whew, I need like to take a little break, uh, grab a snack or breakfast, and um, and just kind of like not talk to anyone, just stare at the wall for about a half hour. <laughs> Is it safe to say that it's equivalent to an adrenaline rush of going through that? Because I have to imagine there's excitement with that. Yeah, you got things in place, but things are happening, snap, snap, here, there, left and right, up and down. Do you enjoy that part of it? Oh, yeah. 
I love that. I actually love that part of it. So I, I know that, you know, we've got some, maybe the president speaking. So I'm scouring, looking for information on whatever topic that he's talking about. So I can insert those ad libs when appropriate um, or write up a script that'll tease the next segment. Sometimes in the break, I'm pulling a piece of sound or I'm asking our technical producer to pull some sound. So yeah, there is that adrenaline rush, but it's, it's um, not so much adrenaline rush to be excited on the air, which I am. I love that part of that, that communication. Radio is very intimate, but it's the, can I get this piece of sound cut in time to slip it under this story? Um, so that's kind of fun and challenging every morning. Yeah, see, these are the things I love because having been a journalism major, went to USC, I like, I love talking about this aspect of it because a lot of people don't understand what happens behind the scenes, right? And, and radio has its thing, TV has its thing. I was more radio, so it's great to hear what you're talking about when you're talking in sense of what happens behind the scenes when you're doing those radio shows. It's like, yeah, that's the stuff I remember. I'm like, okay, that was good, good stuff. And how about Sam Shane working with him? Like you say, you guys kind of think alike and everything, but that seemed to be a very good match and worked out for both of you. It did. I mean, you know, I always wondered when he was at 13 and I was at 10, I wonder if we'll ever work together in television. I always just figured it would be in television that we'd work together. Um, and so when he came on board, I mean, you never know. You're, you're with someone that you've never co-anchored before with, and you don't know if the chemistry is going to be right. But I think part of what helped is we do speak the same language in television. And I really respect Sam's work ethic. That guy he can turn it out. I mean, he, he has tremendous work ethic and I do really respect that about him. Uh, so we work together great. I mean, it's, and cause I'm a hard worker too. So, uh, it's amazing. I'm amazed at how much content we're able to pump out every day. I like when at the end of some of those shows, I look at him and I'm like, I can't believe we just did that. Now we do have our executive producer, Nora, who's amazing. She speaks like five languages, super smart. And our technical producer, a young guy, Robert, who um, I believe this is his first radio on air because he comes on air and does some segments. But he's like, I love Robert. He's got a huge green mohawk and like tattoos of all of his favorite bands. And he plays in a band and he's just this young guy that's so enthusiastic about music. So we have fun on the air with that. So I have to ask, I mean, how does it feel to be number one? I mean, that's that, that's a cool thing, you know? You're on top, but it means you've got to now work harder to stay on top. Well, you know, and and we're, we were number one in May, maybe in July we won't be. I mean, you know, so I, it's it, it kind of goes back and forth, more like I, I just want to stay up there and competitive with all the other amazing shows. I mean, you know, we have amazing morning shows in this market. I mean, Armstrong and Getty is just like a legacy show. I mean, they are, are, are fabulous. So it's we have really good choices in the morning for people. So... When people choose us, I mean, you know, Dog and Joe, I mean, they're amazing in the morning. Yeah. So when people choose us, it just feels great. And it lets us know, okay, we are connecting uh, with with people and, and we're happy to do that. So, you know, number one is great, but just knowing that we're in the league with all these other great shows is just a, it's a wonderful feeling.
All right, first segment in the boats with Christina Mendonca. So much more to come. Want to thank our sponsors. We're going to do it a little differently. Usually I give you two and two, but right now I'm going to give you all four and you'll get it two times. All right. So we want to thank R5 Stitch of Print, Troy Rousey, uh, their website, r5print.com. They obviously specialize in screen printing and embroidery. They have done a lot of work for me. I want them to do a lot of work for you. Again, r5print.com, or you can call them at 916-454-3773. Pit Boss Jerky, beef jerky at its best and its local. I'm talking about Joe Green. He is the Pit Boss. You can order yours. There's one of 13 flavors. My favorite flavor has to be Experience the Buzz. That's right. We have a flavor named right after this program. Uh, if you would like to order yours, so I'm going to go through the flavors in just a moment. You can get on the order board. It's a direct line to Joe Green, the Pit Boss, 916-769-6807. Here are the flavors, okay? Brace yourself. The original six, we got Pepper Garlic, Pit Boss Original, Sweet Summer, Honey Gold, Sweet and Smoky, and Little Heat. After that, we got Urban Smoke, Big Heat. How about this? A a keto mix. That's pretty awesome. One of my favorites before Experience the Buzz, Raspberry Apple Chipotle. I know a big favorite for many, and I think number one on the list is Island Teriyaki. And then the newest flavor, number 13, is White Bulls Barbecue. Big thought. Thank you to Pit Boss Jerky. Also want to thank Little Whale Swim School. That's right. They are the premier swim school and a proud sponsor of Experience the Buzz. Located at 4106 El Camino Avenue. You can find them at littlewhaleswim.com. Yes, it's summer. Yes, there are swimming lessons going on. It's always summer at Little Well. Why? Because they do it year-round. They have a beautiful indoor facility. Again, Little Well Swim School, proud sponsor of ETB. And finally, Matt the Mortgage Guy. You can find them at mtmg.com or dial them up at 916-802-9291. Matt and his team are ready to help you with any kind of loan that you're looking for, notably a home loan or refinance. We had a refinance loan done through Matt and his team. From start to finish, went about a month long. So we're very grateful. Everything was great. Very, very grateful. And again, a big thank you to Matt, the mortgage guy, along with Little Wells Swim School, Pit Boss Jerky, and R5 Station Print, proud sponsors of Experience Buzz. Now back to my conversation with Christina Mendonca. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode of Experience the Buzz by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. It means everything. Now, back to the show. The voice we're speaking with, it is Christina Mendonca. I know most of you would know it very well. We've talked about KFBK, but we're going to get into News 10. But there's that other segment of when she went from News 10 to in her new venture, which is her entrepreneur adventure, which is Mendonca Media. So I know this was a big piece for you, especially when you spoke with KFBK, uh, because you have this segment of time, but you had brought in there, hey, I just built up this business. You wanted to make sure that you didn't lose that. Yeah, right. And they were so respectful of it and encouraged me, you go ahead and build that business as much as you want. Um, in fact, I've like my company has actually done work for my company <laughs> before, before the radio station. So uh, I mean, and I and I love that part of it, because I, I never wanted to stop working with video. And with with Mendoza Media, I get to tell the stories of local businesses and nonprofits and, you know, executives and CEOs. I tell their stories. So, you know, I've been kind of I've got I've got this niche now, this little niche carved out as a narrative marketer. And I, I love that part of it. I mean, 
I love meeting all these new people and, and they work so hard on their businesses. So I get to take that story, that beautiful story of them growing their business and, and present it to their customers and show their customers, you know, the business's place in their world. So it's, it's just been so satisfying and the, the, the variety of clients I love. And then we branched out. We did a documentary last year that was nominated for an Emmy, which was like another kind of milestone for my company. And we're working on another documentary again this year. So I've got a great team and uh, really good collaborators. And that has been uh, super satisfying, super satisfying. Yeah. And it's yours. That's the thing. You're not yeah. working for a boss. You know, that's the whole entrepreneur spirit and pretty much the reason right. for the show and a big reason why I wanted to bring you on because you kind of fit all the categories, right? Small business owner away with Mendonca Media, uh, definitely a personality and an entrepreneur. So like you hit all three spots. And so I want you to speak to that because we're going to get into, you know, the news 10 and why you've made that, that transition, why that transition happened. But when you started Mendonca Media, did you feel pretty confident? I would imagine the answer would be yes, because of the what you had in your tool belt. You know, I think so often, I mean, some people say, okay, I'm going to start a business and this is what my business is going to look like. And I'm going to write a business plan and all that. It didn't go that way for me. It was more like um, it, it felt very fluid. It was like, I have these skills that I've been using in television for 30 years. What else can I do with them? Well, I'm a storyteller. Okay, so who can I tell stories for? Well, uh, I can tell stories for this business and I can tell stories for that business. And they liked it and they told a friend and I got another client over here. So I kind of had to race to catch up with the business plan and the infrastructure and the contractors and all that stuff um, and figuring out my taxes and my S-Corp. And that all came after I started my business. Um, so it felt very natural. And I think, yeah. you know, having an entrepreneurial spirit, I don't think you're either born or not born with it. I think it can develop. And it, it's just you expressing your creativity in a different way, no matter what that business is, whether it's fixing cell phones or doing narrative marketing. So I always like to ask, you know, when you launch Mendonca Media, who was your first client? What was that like? Uh, first client was the city of Folsom. So I live in Folsom and, uh, and I am friends with the uh, president of the Chamber of Commerce. And he actually called me up after I left 10 and said, uh, we have this Silicon Valley group that has put together um, some financing and they want to tell stories about Folsom to draw some businesses to Folsom. So, you know, can you do that? And I was like, well, yes, I can do that. I'm a storyteller. So I started telling stories about different aspects of Folsom. So we, we did a story on the Folsom Zoo and the history of it and where they got the animals and how they take care of them. And we did a story on some of the big businesses in Folsom, Intel, of course, um, inductive automation, told the story of those businesses and how they came in. And they aired these at not only citywide events, but they were on their website. They were showing up in, at trade shows. So it actually was interesting how many people saw them and learned things about the city they never knew so that we did three seasons of Folsom Focus and that was my my first you know um, cl real client and then I did something for the um, the community college and the World Trade Center um, of Northern California and we did a whole educational piece on um, youth entrepreneurship 
And that was fun to put together. I interviewed a bunch of young entrepreneurs about how to get, you know, international uh, shipping going and all of that. Learned a bunch of stuff there. So those are my first two clients. I love it. Okay. And also, I mean, you help people out with like career stuff, like people like yourself that are making no changes in their career. So you kind of have a mentor piece that is there as well. I think it's important, especially as you get to your mid uh, career, late career, that you uh, seek to find ways to give back. And through Talent Boulevard, I counsel and mentor young broadcast talent. So, you know, when, when they, they're wondering, why did the news director, you know, not give me that story? Or, or should I take the job in Tampa? Or should I go to Charlotte? You know, I mean, so we talk about all of those things. And I try to help them strategize their career for not just a great professional life, but a great life life. You know, how do, we, how do I strategize? What's going to be best for me? What do I want to do? You know, do I take that anchor job in the mid-market or do I take that reporting job in the top 10? So with your journey, it's interesting because you pretty much stayed here with it, except for the one move uh, to Denver, but then you worked your way back to Sacramento. Right. Let's, I mean, let's start there because the fact is, I don't know if many people know it, but you are, you're a Sacramento person. You're, you grew up in Carmichael. You went to Del Campo High School. So like you've been here your whole life with the exception of maybe that move right. to Denver and you, yeah. So take us through like the right. very beginning and how maybe that seed of, I want to be in either radio or TV, how that worked for you. Well, I knew in high school, I wanted to be a journalist and I actually got a job at a small community newspaper in Fair Oaks um, and the Fair Oaks Post. And I loved that little job and I did that through <laughs> high school and then uh, I want. I thought, you know what? Radio sounds interesting to me. So I interned for a while, got a job at a radio station. Uh, that's when FM 102 had the morning zoo, which was hysterical. It was really fun. They would light my scripts on fire and like do crazy things. But um, that was a really good experience. And I worked in radio for a while. But what I noticed is that radio jobs were disappearing because every station used to have a news department. And then all of a sudden, one news department was feeding several stations. It was the consolidation phase that TV has gone through, but now, but radio went through it first. So I thought, gosh, for any security, I need to make the jump to TV. So I interned at a TV station while I was working in radio and going to school um, and finally got a job at a TV station up in Reading. That was my first on-air job. I did some writing for TV stations in Sacramento. Worked there for a while. Okay, let's stop there. Okay. Let's go to the internship because, so my first internship was at Channel 31. Okay. I worked with Grant Napier. Yeah. yeah. In the early days when he yes, was at 31. So I need, I, I'm telling you, those are fun days. And it was in the old building, which I believe, did you spend, were you at any time at Channel 31? Yes, I was. I was the intern when Christine Kraft was the anchor and Andy Asher and Grant Napier had just wow. come. He was like this fresh face from New York. And I was like, how is he not going to cuss on the air? Because he cusses all the time. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. I know. I love that. You I could have been that. like, we literally could have been interning at the same time. Cause I know we're about the same age. So that, that is pretty funny because I, I loved interning for Grant, but yes, he was very, uh, well, let's just say, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was going to cuss it up and he was going to tell you what to do. And, but he was always very nice about it, of course. So you're, you know what? He, I appreciate arthritis. Yes. yes, for sure. So your intern story. Okay. Channel 31. And then. Talk to me about getting that first job, like the process. You guys send out the tapes, 
right? Take us through all that. Right. So I was interning at Channel 31. I was going to Sac State mm -hmm. and I was um, working at K108. K108 and Channel 31 were really close by, just right across, right across the way. So I would do all of those and I, um, I needed to get tape. You know, we all needed to get those. It was this big three quarter inch tape that you had to send to TV stations. Yes. So I convinced one of the photographers to take me with him to a Raiders game so that I could cut some stand-ups and get some video. And um, I, I'm, I'm poor, so I can't pay him anything. So I baked him like two dozen chocolate chip cookies. That was what I, that was the payment that I gave him. Um, so we went to, uh, we shot, I came back, put together tape and sent it out. And at that time, you know, you're sending out these you know, through huge tapes. It costs a lot of money to send them out and they didn't always get them back. Right. right. So I sent them out to, um, stations all over. The first station that reached out to me was a station in Reading, KRCR. Okay. So I drove my little Chevy Chevette up there three hours <laughs> and interviewed, um, at the station and eventually got the job. So I, I moved everything up there and it was interesting because you were at that time, I mean, a lot of people do it now, but you're shooting and editing your own stuff. You're running your own live truck. You're producing your own newscast that you also anchor. I mean, there's a lot going on. And, uh, but that's where I got to do like my first fire coverage and I had a good time up there. Yeah. So, um, there was a job that was open at channel 13 that I applied for and it was called overnight anchor. And this was when CNN first started up and local stations were trying to compete with the cable network. So they would do these overnight updates on the hour. So they hired me as an overnight update anchor. So I would like write and deliver headlines at the top of each hour. And then I would play Tetris for a half an hour. And then I'd write my next set of headlines. <laughs> and then I'd deliver and then I'd play Tetris again. And it kind of went on like that um, until one morning there was a big breaking story. They had no one in the newsroom to send. So they sent me and uh, they liked what they saw. So I became a regular reporter. See, that's great. And I mean, talk about those moments too in that first job at KRCR up in Reading. Because Reading is definitely one of those markets that everybody talks about where you start, right? The other one I remember from a good friend, Roy Engelbrecht, who ran a sports camp, uh, Silver Fork, New Mexico. That one comes to mind. But those smaller, those smaller markets are so big, but you know, bring such great like memories. I'm sure you have a lot of great ones in that first job. Yeah, you don't care that it's small market. I mean, you know, it was my first, uh, it was my first experience of, of reporting and, and anchoring. Uh, it was, I remember how hot it was. I, Red Bluff was my beat. So I just remember like my feet burning through my shoes as I was carrying all my equipment into the courthouse, my makeup melting off of me. It's 105. Um, and I'm trying to look TV ready. I mean, there was some, there was some really like character building times there yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So you make that move back to Sacramento and take me through when you get, you know, become the anchor like that, that moment when that happens and did I miss anything? Cause I'm sure there was some stuff in between there before you got that actual job. Yeah. There was some, 
things. So I was at Channel 13. Uh, now I'm reporting. Uh, they made me consumer reporter for a while. And I was having a blast. And and I didn't really, wasn't really anchoring then, just mostly reporting. And I got uh, two job offers. Um, some people saw my stuff on the satellite. It was Back then we had a satellite feed yes. that would go out to all the stations. So I got a job offer in San Diego and in Denver, Colorado. And I had to, and it was the same money. And I thought, well, my money's going to go a lot further in Denver than it is in San Diego. And that's how I made my decision, basically. Well, that and I thought, I need to get out of California. I need to go live somewhere else, figure out what it's like in some other part of the country. So I trekked over to Colorado, and it was just the best decision. KUSA, just a powerhouse station at that time. They were Gannett Station. Uh, they were just legendary for their photographers and that's who really helped me bump up my quality of reporting as the videographers. They are just, um, I mean, they were second to none back then. Just great. So I spent some time, and when I got there, the uh, news director said to me, I think you're going to be a really great anchor someday, but I don't want you to bug me at all about it. I don't want to hear that you want to anchor. I just want you to report. Wow. And I said, you got it. So that's what I did. I did crime and courts beat. Uh, they put me on an investigative team for a while. Um, and I, I never bugged him to, to anchor because I was having such a blast reporting. I was having so much fun. Um, and then uh, one day he called me in and said, I want you to anchor. So that's when I started like filling in here and there. And uh, I enjoyed it. And then they eventually made me morning anchor in Denver. So I did that for a couple of years. And then I had the opportunity to uh, go to either Philadelphia, which would have been a big up jump up in market size, yeah. or Sacramento. And by then I was married, and so there were a couple of things that I know it was it was it was a, it was kind of a tough decision, but then not because at the time my dad wasn't well, so I kind of wanted to be closer to my dad. And here I am married. I'm thinking we're probably going to start a family soon. Um, plus my husband, who's from Detroit said, please take me to California. <laughs> so we, he's like, I can ride my bike year round there. I mean, he just, he, he fell in love with it. He'd never been to California before we visited. So, um, so yeah, we made the move out here and, uh, it was funny when I had left California, I never thought I'd be back. I never, cause it, how often do you get to work in your hometown? It just doesn't happen. So, um, but I did get a chance to come back and spent, 22 wonderful years at News 10. Yeah, wow. it was a great time. Yeah, great, great run. And I mean, just making that decision and that's pivotal. Like it's based on right. what is going on in your life because had you not been thinking about family, maybe not married, probably would have went to Philadelphia. And that's the beauty of, I think, the, broad I yeah, the broadcasting journey is that with things affect your decisions. And these are the parallels that I was mentioning to you beforehand because the exact same thing happened. I wanted to be a play-by-play -play broadcaster, wanted to go NBA, NFL, whatever it might be. And I got a job offer and it was a small one. It was the Minnesota Lynx of the WNBA. And I was really excited. I was like, you know what? Someone wants me. Just the fact that someone wanted me, I was like, okay, this is great. Because it wasn't going to happen in Sacramento. Gary Gerald, Grant Napier, they never went anywhere and Gary's still there. So I was like, okay, this is a great opportunity, but I had two, my, two of my boys. I, I was married. I was like, yeah, I can't do this. And so made the decision to stay in Sacramento. So that was one. So sharing that, I think is very big, but because people don't realize like 
Could Christina Mendonca be in New York and be doing a national show? Yeah, probably so. But your journey took you elsewhere and it's brought you here to Sacramento. And we are grateful for that because like you said, 22 years at News 10. And I'm sure like for you, you know, a baseball player, when they get drafted by, you know, the Giants or the A's, it's like playing for your hometown. So what was it like coming back to your hometown, realizing, first of all, I got the job, but now possibly I'm going to settle here and this is going to be my home where I grew up. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know how long it would last, you know, five years, 10 yeah. years, uh, what, however long. But I, I was and I wasn't sure I was going to stay here forever. I thought, OK, well, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll go on from here mm -hmm. and do something. And I did have opportunity, but it just wasn't the right time. So, I mean, I remember um, uh, the station in Dallas, WFAA, they interviewed me twice and wanted me to come there and be a main anchor. And I just, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this station is legendary. These people are amazing. This management is fantastic. This would be a dream. And as I walked around the city and, you know, no offense to Dallas, but I just thought I can't move my family here. It is flat. It is concrete. And the people are lovely, but I, it, it won't match who I am inside. I mean, I like to hike. I like to be out in green. I like to see hills. I like water. And I'm like, I just professionally, it would be an amazing move, but personally, it's not what I want. Oh, so, love that. you know, and, and then I had, uh, I had an opportunity to take an overnight position for ABC in New York. And I thought, okay, you know, my husband was willing to do it. Um, but at the time we really wanted to start a family and I thought, okay, well, if that happens, we're not going to. And, you know, you have to make, you have to make choices, right? I mean, you just do it. And I try to explain this to the young people that I mentor. I'm like, are you going to have any more fun doing what you do, whether you are in Charlotte or uh, Detroit? I mean, it depends on where you want to live. You have to think of those personal things. What do I want my life to look like in 20 years, not just in the next five? But, you know, you you have to think of that. And I see so many people that I started with that I worked with who are, I mean, I turn on every day network news and I see people I worked with. I mean, I, you know, a guy I worked with at, um, at, in Denver is now the main aerospace new, uh, reporter for NBC. And, you know, people that I worked with are now anchoring the CBS Morning News. I mean, they have uh, done wonderfully with their careers. But I don't, at this point in my life, look on with any envy. I look on with, you go, girl or guy. I'm like, I'm happy for you. But I love my life. Yeah. I love my life and I love my choices. Yeah. You could be a cheerleader for others. And it's like you're really good at that. And yeah. now it feeds into being right. a mentor, right? Because all you want to do is feed into the young people and help them. Yeah. Just make those decisions that's going to fit them. But what I love is that each journey is different, right? It's just different. Yeah, it's all different. I mean, I love, I still love to create. I will always create until the day I die. I love, I love doing that. And I love working on my projects and working with my clients. And I love, you know, being a voice for people in the morning. Um, you know, and I, and I would even love to do TV again if it was the right opportunity and it fit my life. Right. Um, and who knows that may, that opportunity may come. It may not, but I'm, I just want to make sure that I'm doing stuff that, that, stimulates my brain and my heart and that is aligned with who I am.
All right, two segments in, one to go with the awesome Christina Mendoza. You know what? It's an honor to be able to talk about one of the, I would say, pillar anchors, news anchors of Sacramento. Uh, so I wanted to thank all of our sponsors, get through them, tell you Matt the Mortgage Guy. Matt Goucher is actually featured on episode 28. Uh, you can find that at mtmg.com. Also want to thank Little Well Swim School, Anya Hall, who is the founder there. She is uh, featured in episode six, one of our very early episodes. Great story. You can find them at littlewellswim.com. Of course, they're the premier swim school right here in Sacramento. And then we have Pit Boss Jerky, Joe Green. His story is episode 26. You kind of see the flavor we're going with. If you come on as a sponsor, boom, you're probably going to be one of the episodes. Uh, you can get your beef jerky. All 13 flavors are available, including the one that's named after this show, Experience the Buzz, at 916-769-6807. And then finally, Troy Rousey of R5 Stitch and Print doing great work in, in the embroidery and screen printing business. He is featured in episode 25. Those are our sponsors. Now back to the final segment with Christina Mendonca. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode of Experience the Buzz by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. It means everything. Now, back to the show. Christina Mendonca is our guest. Uh, she is just basically, she's just laying it out for us. And we're talking about News 10. And of course, if we're going to talk Christina Mendonca, we got to we got to talk Dale Shornack, right? That's your guy, the one-two yeah. punch. How many years of the twenty-two did you guys anchor together? Uh, we were we anchored for nineteen of yeah. the twenty-two together. Wow. So uh, there was a gentleman named Alan Frio who was yes. in this market before, and I anchored with. Him. And then and then Dale came, and Dale and I. Um, I, gosh, I just, I love him like a brother. I just saw him like a couple of weeks ago. We all had, a bunch of us had dinner, but um, he is just an incredible gentleman. I mean, just, just a solid human being, just like what you saw was what you got. Just that, like that Midwestern, just hardworking, good guy, good man. Um, and so I, I have loved sitting with next to him for years and years. It felt very natural. It was funny. He and I would joke around when, when he was, um, interviewing, I was like out to here pregnant with, uh, our first daughter, Katie. I mean, just huge. And, um, and then when she was born and they, he was brand new and they brought me back. And for whatever reason, the promotions team had me bring my baby. So I have like Dale and the baby and uh and me in this promo and so for years people thought we were married and that was our kid oh my gosh <laughs> and we that promo somewhere but yeah it was just it was awkward you know i mean it's like hi nice to meet you here's my baby like we're gonna do a spot now like we're a happy family <laughs> Isn't it amazing though? I mean, think about this, Christina. You know the TV business. To be able to do what you've done and then have a 19 year career where it's you and Dale together, like you just don't see that very often. Not Can you yet. speak to that? It's sad that you don't see that very often. Yeah. And I think there's there's a bunch of different reasons. I mean, I think People like to say, oh, young people, they're just not loyal to companies anymore. But companies aren't loyal to people anymore, media companies. I mean, you know, it's it's harder and harder to make a really good living 
in television. I mean, it used to be that the best paid jobs were like the main anchor slots and they probably still are, but they're a fraction in most markets of what they used to be because stations aren't making the money they used to make. Right. right? I mean, so you have all these digital ads that have stolen, you know, all of those advertising dollars. I mean, they're just all just clamoring for a smaller and smaller piece of the pie. So they just can't afford to pay the salaries that they used to pay. Um, but they, but they also, I don't think have a lot of loyalty to, they don't invest in people and try to grow their people. Uh, and so people leave and they think they go to other markets. Now, I'm speaking generally. There are stations where they do invest in their people and they grow them. I mean, like KCRA has been that way for many years. I mean, you, you see, I mean, Edie's been there forever and you see anchors that have been there for a very long time, had great careers there. Um, but the, the industry has changed so quickly and it's very different. It's very different than when I, when I started. I can't help but ask this. There's a thing called sweeps in TV. I'm wondering what the relationship is like between the stations. And I'll just say the main ones, NBC, CBS, ABC, like amongst you guys in the heyday was, what was that like? I'm sure you guys were all very kind to each other, but is there anything that us, the average Joe would like to know that you could share with us? I'm trying to think if there was ever, I mean, so during the, um, during the whole Kings might leave thing, mm. right? That when they were talking about going to Seattle, our sports team, uh, Brian May and Ryan Yamamoto was just killing the competition. They were getting every exclusive. They were like, I mean, they would show up and, and the Maloose would walk out a door. I mean, I don't know how they did it, but they were just killing it. And I know that the other stations were annoyed as hell about that, <laughs> uh, but but for the most part, all of us were super friendly to each other. I mean, there were even times when, like, I know one of our reporters would show up. Maybe they missed the first part of a news conference, and the other guy at the station would say, "I'll give you the, I'll give you the sound that we got." So, yeah, I mean, most of the time it was very friendly. So, Christina, in my mind, I can't help it, but I'm thinking of the scene out of like Anchorman, where the different news crews <laughs> come for like the battle oh, yeah. area. <laughs> <laughs> I think as the newsroom, we all went and saw that first one, that first movie when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I'll put that thought aside. So it's interesting. We've gotten into this conversation and we've gotten to the point where is a big parallel. And I'm going to set this up this way. You called it the purge, which by the way, I think is a great name to give it because now I'm like, you know what? That's kind of what happened to me. So I'll, I'll take it this way. I'm a teacher at St. Michael's. I get a call. I'm at recess. I'm getting ready to renew my contract for the Sacramento Kings as one of their you know, reporters and stuff. Not a major job or anything, but I get a call from a voice unknown that simply says this. We decided to go another direction. Oh, the dreaded. Okay. We decided to go another direction. <laughs> And so yeah. that started kind of the end of my career with the Sacramento Kings. Listen, no regrets. Everything turned out great. It kind of was the end of what I was doing in that phase, but things, you know, changed and stuff. But I still remember that call. And then when I heard you talk about what had happened to you, I didn't realize why you had left News 10. It wasn't really your choice. Can you talk to us about the purge? It is so yeah. very important. 
So like f- about five years before I left the station, I went back to school to get my master's degree because I was seeing kind of the writing on the wall. I saw that this industry is changing. I don't know how much longer I want to do this. Uh, I'm going to be, you know, asked to do it. I just, I, I was kind of just kind of seeing hmm, it's time to explore some other things. And I kind of started a side hustle. I was doing a little bit of video stuff on the side. Um, and then we had a, um, the, the, the network that I worked for, uh, Tegna, uh, they had a consultant come in and the consultant was to come in and try people, not enough people were watching news. You remember I talked about the smaller and smaller piece of pie that we were getting because, um, all of that advertising was going to Google ads and Facebook ads and all that stuff. So they're trying to figure out how to, um, evolve the company. Uh, and so Part of what they decided to do is let's uh, take all the takes certain news departments to certain stations in the group and let's do an experiment. Let's try to do news totally different, totally different. We're going to try to appeal to millennials. We need to get more viewers. Our viewership is aging. So we need to get young viewers. And so we're going to try to just reformat the news, do something totally different. Well, I mean, Dale and I had been there. For two decades, it's kind of hard to make us totally different. I mean, our viewers, I mean, there's the good side in that we have this relationship with the viewers, which really was amazing when we were told our contracts were not going to be renewed. That relationship with the viewers, I mean, he and I still can't believe the outpouring of like love. I mean, it was so, it was touching and humbling, Um, but they wanted to change things. So we were part of that change. So he and I both got called into the general manager's office and said, we are going a different direction. And they were right. They were going a different direction. And, and, you know, I, it was a direction that did not align with journalism as I knew it, uh, journalism as I wanted to do it. So, um, I wasn't like, I wasn't crushed by it. I was like, okay, you know what? It's kind of like, you're going that way and I don't want to go that way. Um, so, okay. So Dale and I, it was Dale and I, it was like our sports department. It was a bunch of reporters. Um, it was a bunch, it was a bunch of people and it wasn't just Sacramento. It was their station in Tampa and, you know, other stations around the country. So they did this big experiment where they wanted to do news differently and, you know, businesses have to, they have to evolve. Um, now, it turns out the experiment did not work. They're now, like, <laughs> shifting back to doing more, like, kind of standard news. Um, but, I mean, they had to try to do something. So I remember my last night at 10, I did the newscast. I had uh, pre-recorded my goodbye because I thought, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I'll be really sad. So I pre-recorded it. And then I remember uh, walking out for the last time and it was a Friday night and I thought I'm going to be really sad this weekend. I probably should just like, I don't know, buy some ice cream and I'm just going to be sad. Um, And I was on a hike with my husband the next day and I said, I keep waiting to be sad. I'm waiting for like this rush and I'm, it's not coming. And I'm, I was confused by it. Like I was disturbed and confused. Like, why am I not feeling sad? And then I had a conversation with someone who had left the station about a year earlier. And he said, Christina, he said, you're not sad because you felt no alignment with what they were doing. And you don't have to be the face of that anymore. 
That's why you're not sad. So and huge. I thought, this wow, is so big. Wow. Yeah. So that, I mean, that to me was like, wow. So, I mean, I, I have friends still that are at 10 that I care mm-hmm. about and um, mm-hmm. I wish everyone there the best. Um, and they've got some good young people that are there and that are doing good work. Um, and uh, I have no regrets for any of my time there. And I don't harbor any ill will, even against the top brass at the company that made that decision. Because as, as a business owner now, I know sometimes you need to make a change. Yep. So it was and fine. This is, this is interesting because for, for me, Christina, and I'm thinking it's because of where we're at in life. I remember I was so bitter towards the Sacramento Kings. It was like really tough for me. And it was hard because this was my dream. Right. And I wasn't in the space that like you're describing right now. I was, you know, younger, obviously. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and for years, like I was a big Dallas Mavericks fan. I was a big Minnesota Timberwolves fans. Those were the teams that were playing the Sacramento Kings during that time. And it took me years to get over that bitterness. And then when I got over it, I kind of went like, man, that was pretty immature. Like why? I should have realized that God was just directing me a different way and been okay with that. I can see that now, but I definitely didn't see that then. So when I heard like you had talked about that in another episode, a podcast episode, I was like, boom, okay, that, that hit it right there. It's where you are in your space. You were like almost prepared for, okay, what's next on my adventure? I tend to be kind of, I tend to be a person that looks forward anyway, like when mm-hmm. something happens, I, I tend to be optimistic and forward thinking always just, you know, maybe because I, I don't want to think about that. But I, I, I mean, I, I will say I did. I had, I really have never watched a full newscast since I left. I've not, I've not ever watched a newscast um, there. And that's not because I don't like it. I just don't recognize it. So, and I think had everything been the same and it had just been me that wasn't resigned. I think maybe I would have had a different reaction. I would have been more upset, but it, it became a place that I no longer recognized. This is not the place that I feel like I helped build. It's not that place anymore. It's like, and, and I felt like I was, it's almost like, um, you know, if you woke up in a different house, you're like, this is not my house. <laughs> this is not where I belong. So it was, so that was more the feeling for me, but I mean, it was, it didn't come without some, you know, some soul searching because if I didn't belong there, well, where did I belong? What was I supposed to do now? I mean, I was, I'm 49 years old. What, what am I supposed to do? So I actually interviewed for a couple of other jobs and some really strange things happened. So like I interviewed for a big job, like top, top, like number two market. Um, and the news director was like, we love you. You're great. The general manager was like, you're great. We just got to send it up to New York. The guy's in New York and it's going to be great. And then I waited and the contract never came. And then I got a call saying that whole staff that hired you, they're all fired. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, darn. Okay. That's not going to work out. So then my agent had me go to a station back East and I did the audition back East and I was walking around doing the audition and I'm thinking to myself, am I going to move my family all the way across the country to just wear Spanx and heels in another studio for how many more years? Do I want to do that? I don't want to do that. Well, 
crap, what am I going to do? <laughs> so that's when I took this long trip with my husband. We went up to Canada. My daughter was living in Canada at the time. And we, we took like a month long trip. And I thought about it. What do I want to do? Um, and then I thought, okay, well, here's the, I read a great book by Jenny Blake called Pivot. And I kind of mapped out my runway, how I was going to do it. Uh, I knew I was going to be using my skills somehow, didn't know exactly how until my friend called me from um, um, from Folsom Chamber. And I also, I don't know if you know him, Mark Haney, do you know him? Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. uh, he's out in Loomis, right? Great guy. He mm-hmm. invited me to an entrepreneur mixer. And I remember thinking, gosh, everyone knows me as this. I'm going to go to this mixer right. And everyone's going to be like, what are you doing here? And what's going on? And I don't know. I'm, I'm, am I ready for these awkward conversations? I don't know. I, I It was a rainy night. I, I drove out there. I sat in my car and thought, do I want to go in there? Because I really am. If I go in there, I'm really turning the page and I'm something else now. And and does that, it's, you know, can my ego handle it? I mean, I mean, I have so many questions. And I went in and I had a great night. I met so many people who didn't give a rip what I had done. They wanted to know what I'm doing now. They wanted to know what's happening and how could they help and, and could they, could I help them? And it was such a positive experience. I thought, oh, this was the right move. This is a good move. I appreciate you taking us through that part of your journey. I didn't, I didn't know those parts and stuff, but it looks like you got to a place where obviously you are very happy now. You're in a great spot, Mendonca Media, KFBK, you know, beautiful family, you know, just living a life in Folsom. And so as we kind of finish out some just, you know, final thoughts I was thinking about is number one, just your thoughts on journalism. I am of the old school. I know you are of the old school. Uh, I think we can... I, I think we can admit that just, <laughs> old school in, in a good way, you know, it's polished there and everything. But I remember being at USC in the school of journalism. And I just remember like the, the main things that were taught to me about, you know, getting credible sources, making sure yeah. that when you write the story, you get it checked and double checked before it even goes out. And obviously things have gone out, but I know that you have said strongly, listen, Good, good journalism is still there, but it just, you know, there's some things out there where it, it makes you question. I just wish people could trust journalism more than they yeah. do right now. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it has become hyper politicized. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really try in the morning, Sam and I, uh, we take on big issues and we talk about big issues. And, you know, if he presents one side, I try to present the other side, no matter how I feel. Um, so we, we discuss them and try to put them in context. My thought is always, I try to be on the side of common sense. I don't know if that makes sense. That's the side I'm on. I'm on the side of common sense and I will bring in different sources to try to get there. So we do our featured audio clips. We feature Democrats, we feature Republicans. Um, I, I'm, I've always like on my social media, I don't talk politics, um, I don't advocate politics on my social media. Um, on the air, I try to advocate for common sense. So sometimes that comes across as, ah, oh, she's a liberal. And sometimes it comes across as, ah, oh, she must be conservative. And, you know, as long as people are questioning that in both ways, I'm happy. That's good. You've accomplished the task. So I have to ask you about living. So I'll say Sacramento, but I know you live in Folsom. You grew up in Carmichael, but can you talk about being 
in this place, you know, because I, I feel like for me, you know, Sacramento is so special. And I always say it's big city with a small town feel. How do you see it? I see uh, Sacramento. I do think um, Sacramento is a great place. I there's so many things I love about this city when I drive around. Um, you know, just uh, so many of the so many of the landmarks. I mean, I think we're such a diverse city. I think we do have some big problems though, and I think that you know, not unlike other cities, but we've got some big problems that we need to solve. Yeah. Uh, driving downtown and seeing the number of homeless camps makes me so sad. I mean, driving down streets, I've been driving down for 20 years where I never saw the kinds of things I see now. So that's disturbing. And, um, and I'd like to see us, you know, get those folks some help, get them off the streets. Um, that's, that's hard to look at. I mean, but I, I mean, I love, I love the people here and I love the sense of familiarity here. Um, I love, uh, I love where I'm living now. We call this, um, this house that we moved into Casa Shaka Khan because, um, we <laughs> sold our house and we live in a house that was built in the eighties and the guy who owns it took such good care of it, but we're renters now. And my husband and I say, it feels like we're at the popular girl's house in high school, like hanging out because her parent, like we're house sitting. Um, it's like, I mean, it's got an intercom in every room. It's got a wet bar. It is Casa Shaka Khan. So we are, we are enjoying our little life in Casa Shaka Khan. <laughs> I love Casa Shaka Khan. Very good. And you know what? I haven't even mentioned, but you too have a podcast called A Fresh Agenda. It's interesting because you feature innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. So it's very, very uh, familiar with like kind of what we're doing here on Experience the Buzz. So I did 150 episodes of A Fresh Agenda, and then I recently changed the name to um, The Power Profile. So now it's known as The Power Profile. So I, as a, a Fresh Agenda, I was doing all kinds of uh, topics, you know, kind of sometimes it'd be very science-y, sometimes it'd be kind of woo-woo. With, with The um, Power Profile, I focus on power, personal and professional power. So I look for power players and people who are bringing that to their lives. And then through my company, Mendonca Media, I launched a new uh, service, a, an initiative called The Power Profile. And that's what I'm calling these six to seven minute documentaries I do on C-suite execs for their speaking engagements and their uh, book deals and to get booked on cable and to be a thought leader outside their industry. So that's the whole power profile is kind of my new umbrella. I like it. Okay. So drop some pearls of wisdom on us. Oh You've got goodness. all this experience. And I would say like speaking to entrepreneurs, maybe something that you carry for yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. You've shared a lot of that within this conversation, but kind of on that final thought, what would that be? Well, I think, you know, we all have these inflection points in our life. And uh, when you get to the end of something, uh, I would say spend more time looking forward than backward and get ready for what's coming next. Because I think, so, I mean, sometimes I'm not a big woo-woo person, but you know, I do think some things happen for a reason. There was a reason why those people that were going to hire me in that big market got fired. And there's a reason why that didn't work out back East. There's a reason why I, you know, came in contact with people who kind of helped me take my business to the next level. So you have to keep your eyes open for those opportunities. And then I'd say just keep reading. I read every professional development book I can get. 
Uh, I read a lot of business books. I'm reading a book right now called The End of the World is Just Beginning, which is fascinating. Okay. It's all about geopolitics and supply chains and resources and de demography. Fascinating book. Uh, so it kind of uh, is kind of future telling about what's coming in business. Uh, and, and stay curious. Stay curious. Love it. Okay, so book I'm going to share. I just got my hands on 10,000 No's by Matt Del Negro. He's an actor. Okay. And uh, I guess this book is really like taken off. And John Gordon, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his podcast, but he does a positive professional podcast in which he interviews people. So yeah, good stuff. Like you said, just that knowledge, keeping that knowledge going. Right, right. Yeah. Well, Christina, I think you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And I thank you for sharing your journey with us. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor having you on the program. Oh, it was an honor to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. I had a great time. She is Christina Mendonca. We're going to take a break and we'll come back with a final thought. Well, there you have it, Christina Mendonca. What a great conversation. And really, I love the fact, I can't reiterate enough how she just shared her story. And really, that's what this show is all about. Did you know that stuff about Christina Mendonca? I did it. I knew parts, but not all of it. And that's what we are doing here at ETB. We want to unlock those stories for you to listen to because I know many of you, especially the local listeners, you love Sacramento just like I do. So all I'm doing is I'm bringing the people of Sacramento and Christina, born and bred in Carmichael, okay, lives in Folsom. She is Sacramento. So again, just good, good stuff and a big thank you to Christina. So that's going to do it for this program. Of course, another one coming your way on the weekly as we release every Friday. My name is Steve Buzzard. That's all I got for now. Talk to you next time. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for joining Steve this week on Experience the Buzz. Steve would love to hear from you. Leave a review or contact Steve directly with any questions at scbuzzard at gmail.com. To see the other adventures of Steve Buzzard, be sure to visit buzzardball.com.